all ninjas, calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. I can talk about a league nerd or Dr. Daniel Cameron, kill him blue in the face, but when you meet them, you know, you're going to have that connection to them and also really get to know them. They're good guys. They really work for the community and they really get this. This podcast is sponsored by the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 177 with Mid-Coast Maine Lyme Disease Conference founders, Paula Jackson-Jones and Angel Rice. Also, welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn why you won't want to miss the Mid-Coast Maine Lyme Disease Conference, how this conference is perfect for patients as well as Lyme literate healthcare providers, and how the conference is designed to take care of people with Lyme, including a quiet room and quality food. Thanks, Aurora. As you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem, and each week we get listeners from all over the world. This past week, we have listeners from Winnipeg, Canada, to Santiago, Chile, and from Banderas, Mexico, to Brisbane, Australia. Also, a big thank you to you longtime Lyme ninjas. Aurora and I really appreciate you listening, and we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lyme Ninja Radio. We're glad you tuned in. And this week, our top 10 tune-in cities are... Starting at number 10 is Sterling, Illinois. Number 9, Claremont, New Hampshire. Number 8, New York, New York. Number 7, Atlanta, Georgia. Number 6, Seattle, Washington. Number 5, Longmeadow, Massachusetts. Number 4, Boston, Massachusetts. Number 3, Raleigh, North Carolina. Number 2, Springfield, Massachusetts. And number 1, Banderas, Mexico. Congratulations. Arriba! Dad, bienvenido a Banderas. If you love what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. And if you really love what we're doing, consider becoming a Lime Ninja patron. Just go on over to patreon.com and search for Lime Ninja Radio. Also, we're continuing our weekly giveaway of Dr. William Rawls' new book, Unlocking Lime. If you want to enter... Head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash win. 
Lyme disease is one of the most puzzling illnesses on the planet. Anyone who has suffered from its debilitating symptoms knows the frustrations of trying to find a cure. Many sufferers drag themselves from one doctor or alternative practitioner to the next, getting lost in a maze of lab tests, prescription drugs, and treatments. Thousands of dollars in months or years later, they realize they are no better off than where they started. Unlocking Lyme puts an end to this desperate quest. Written by Dr. Bill Rawls, a physician who overcame Lyme disease himself, this book is a comprehensive, practical resource full of solutions that work. For more information about Dr. Rawls, visit his website rawlsmd.com. And to enter to win the book, simply head on over to limeninjaradio.com front slash win, and you'll see the entry form right there. Thanks, Aurora. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about this week's guests? Paula was bit by a tick in October 2009, going undiagnosed for almost 18 months. In April 2011, Paula had neurological Lyme disease and numerous co-infections and began her three-year journey back to health with a team of Lyme literate doctors. Angel Rice was bitten as a child. After growing up with numerous complex chronic health conditions, her state of health after the birth of her first child galvanized her to look for answers for why she was so sick. She was finally diagnosed with Lyme at the age of 30. These women first created the Mid-Coast Lyme Disease Support Group and later the conference as a way to empower and educate their local community about Lyme disease, as well as a way to bring national expertise to their local community. Thanks, Aurora. As some of you know, I'm going to be the MC at this conference. Both Paula and Angel have really gone out of the way. The conference is free. They've got sponsors. The only thing you have to do is take care of your transportation there and your food. It's really going to be an amazing conference. The list of guests they have is awesome. If you can at all get there, even if for a half a day, it'll be well worth your time. And to tell you all about it, here's our interview with Paula Jackson-Jones and Angel Rice. My first question for you two is, how did you meet? I had um, just gone into remission, and I had a Facebook friend that was doing um, a lot of advocacy work and organizing worldwide activities. And I reached out to her and said, you know, I see there's a lot of activities being planned. How can I plan something right here where I live? You know, and and, um, so she gave me some suggestions. And in the the course of our conversation, she said to me, do you know who, you know, have you ever met Angel Wright? And I said, no, I don't believe that I have. And so she told me that Angel Wright was also a fellow Lyme patient, um, survivor of late stage neurological Lyme like myself, and that Angel was very heavily involved in advocacy work. And then she said, and she lives in Bath, Maine. And I was like, oh, my word. Like, Bath, Maine is literally like 25 miles from where I live. And uh, so we we were connected through a mutual friend, and we reached out to each other. And as they say, the rest is history. We kind of blended our talents together, and we had the same drive and the same vision. And 
um, our strengths and our weaknesses complemented each other. And um, it just kind of went from there. Sounds like a match made in heaven. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> we heard that more than once. <laughs> well, Angel, what was the inspiration to put together a conference? Because that's a big undertaking. It's a big leap from an advocacy group and a support group to putting on a conference. Well, we weren't busy enough, so we decided that having a conference would, you know, round that out. No, um, I think it's the recognition that support groups are one level of support, absolutely. Um, doing prevention talks is another level of support and education that's needed. But a conference really allowed us to bring in the experts from all around the United States and have them talk to the medical providers directly, um, let patients talk to those experts directly. So it became a different kind of bridge um, between patients and medical providers that wanted to have additional training um, to talk to the experts that we kept sharing on our Facebook page. You know, I can talk about a league nurse or Dr. Daniel Cameron and blue in the face, but when you meet them, you know, you're going to have that connection to them and also really get to know them. They're good guys. They really work for the community and they really get this. So, you know, some patients are shy in meeting a medical provider that's Lyme literate because they've gone through 20, 30, 40 providers that didn't care, that didn't validate them. So to meet someone who does, I mean, that's what changed Paula's life. That's what changed mine. And so what have you seen this spring will be the third, fourth conference? Um, It's our fourth conference. It's the fourth conference. And what have you seen begin shifting in your community, which is really the entire state of Maine, but even more so locally? the mid-coast area? I'm hearing a lot more people saying my friend had anaplasmosis and Mm. went to the ER and, oh, my God. I've had people say, I got Babesia, and I can't believe that stuff is so horrid. Or people realizing that power virus um, exists, and I saw it in the paper, and I don't want that. Um, yeah. I just find people are more aware and it's affecting their dogs, their cats, their kids, their families. And when you realize the impact this disease can have, you don't want it. And I think people are really um, amazed because I grew up in Maine my whole life and I wasn't picking off ticks. I wasn't thinking about Lyme disease. So a lot of people are in that place of coming from 70s and 80s kind of information to 2017. And that's kind of mind-blowing. You know, that's 30, 40 years worth of science that, you know, some of us are still coming into. So I think people are really starting to see the impact this has, especially on the Midcoast. This is where a lot of the cases are, right? And it's spreading. And I'd like to add also, from day one, um, our focus 
our mission, our agenda has always been to make a difference where we live. You know, it doesn't do any good to change the life of somebody that lives 4,000 miles away if people on either side of my home or down the street or across town are still not getting the care that they need. And so, um, you know, you asked us about the conference and, you know, we went a whole year before we even thought about that, but we recognized that, um, you know, support groups, you know, like what Angel is saying, it's a layer, it's a, it's a different type of support. Um, you know, we can support the patient through our resources, through our networks with the Lyme doctors here. We can get them connected to the financial resources, but, you know, are we really making a difference? Are we, are we changing anything? And so we started branching out with the conferences and, you know, we're a very small nonprofit, but we have a very loud voice and a very big message and we're not afraid to use it. And that has worked to our advantage. You know, the radio stations are reaching out to us, the TV stations, the newspapers. Um, a year ago, I started writing a column, getting the word out there, informing people at a general level, patient or provider, putting information. Angel does an amazing job with our website, with social media. Anything new hits the wire, boom, she grabs it and she's sharing it. So whether you're a patient or a caregiver or a provider that has heard of us and you happen upon our website or our Facebook or you're reading a column, um, the information is for everybody. And you asked what we started to see. We don't take credit for any of this, but I think by pushing and forcing the message to stay on the front burner, especially here in our state, we've seen more cases identified. Um, you know, uh, we're members of the Maine Public Health, which is called the Maine CDC, but it's our state public health organization. We're members of that. And we've seen the number of new cases rise. The reality of it is, is I think there's far more cases that have not been identified. I think we're living and walking and breathing and just coexisting amongst other people that, that have these diseases and they don't realize it because they haven't been connected to the resources to give them the right diagnosis. I think the number of cases that exist in the state of Maine is much higher than is re- reported. But I think that the awareness that is being raised and the, the options for physician training and just knowledge, we're seeing a lot of training and webinars going on and taking place. I think doctors are beginning to recognize it. Now, that, with that being said, I'm not saying that they know how to treat it. I'm saying that they're recognizing it. And so, therefore, the number of new cases seems to be going up. And what we have found is when people get that diagnosis, they reach out to us. We are, our inbox has been flooded. Uh, people have been reaching out. They say, I just was diagnosed or I think I'm having a relapse or I could be, um, you know, something's just not right. So even people are educated to the point where they know when something is not right. And so they're reaching out to us, and we're, we're connecting them to the providers that can further them on their journey for health and wellness. Because we're not doctors. We're just patients who have been through it. Right. And, and just recognizing how difficult it is to get through it when you don't have anybody to help you or guide or direct you or put resources in your hands. That's why we exist. 
You know, that's inspirational for me. I've formed a small support group here locally. And one of our questions has been over the past few years that we've been in existence is, okay, what do we do? Because we recognize that uh, just being a support group for each other and we'll have new people kind of filter in and out and every once in a while somebody stays. So there's that level. And then you talked about outreach. And really, that's the first thing we're doing this spring is getting out and doing a, a talk in the community. And maybe we'll make that more a regular thing. But then the whole conference idea, bringing experts into your community to let the doctors who are interested and the patients learn and kind of really rub elbows with the expert and, and get face-to-face with them and realize they're not just crazy people promoting some conspiracy theory. There really is a tick-borne illness problem out there. So I love that model of starting with a support group, beginning outreach, and doing talks places or showing a movie or something like that, and then and then moving on to a, co- a conference. I think that's just a very inspirational model. And this year, our conference is at a new location. We've been fortunate to have the same location for the past three years. But by that same good fortune, we have grown in leaps and bounds. And last year, we went through a lot of growing pains. Um, you know, we, we always offer it's free admission. So we really don't know who's going to show up. Um, and every year it has grown and grown and grown And the caliber of speakers, um, has gotten bigger and wider and more well-known and the number of exhibitors that we have has gotten much bigger. So it's sort of a, uh, you know, it takes a village approach. The, the more we do, the louder we are, the farther our reach within the state the more it's almost contagious, the more people want to be a part of it. Absolutely. You know, this year we reached out for speakers, but we had an equal amount of people reach out to us and say, are you looking for speakers? Right. You you know, you've kind of arrived a little bit and that's, that's one of the measures that I was looking for when I started this podcast four years ago. And now people will contact me and say, can I be a guest? It's like, well, let's talk a little bit. (laughs) So Angel, what, who are you most interested in hearing from, from the roster of speakers? Who are you most excited about? And you can't say all of them. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like one speaker is coming. You're talking about probably over 40. So we have our keynote speaker, Dr. Uh, Cowden, um, which I have not heard yet. So I've heard of him and read some of his articles, but I haven't met him in person. So I would think out of everybody, that would be uh, the person right there. Um, and then we have a ton of breakout speakers. Um, so, I mean, it's really a menu of what's important to you, you know? Um, and that's what I like about it. Really can tailor a conference to your needs and really go and see, like, if you're a medical bio- provider, then maybe you want to get some CE credits and um, be able to see like a Dr. Linda Fred or a Dr. Liebner and get that additional training or maybe you're a patient or a care provider and you want to learn how can I support this person through a very difficult process. It's all there under one roof, one building, and it's free. That's really cool. So can I just be a participant? Do I have to? <laughs> I'll <Yep>. just go. <laughs> I don't think they'll allow me, but um, no, it, it's a lot of different choices that I really like. 
if I was going to pick out of our breakout speakers, our favorite is uh, George Papabici, um, is probably one of the favorites. And it's because he isn't really talking about necessarily medical stuff. It's just really the journey um, and what that's like for your heart and soul and how to kind of figure out how to get through that dark tunnel to the light again. And we really felt that that was an important um, piece of the puzzle to bring for people um, and just to give people a chance to hear all sides of it, not just the medical stuff, which does absolutely matter, but um, it, Lyme affects everything. I'm still in treatment. I'm not perfect. I still have these where I'm just like, can I be done already? Um, but knowing that there's other people who understand that uh, makes all the difference. And Paula, how about you? Oh goodness, um, I I am in awe of so many of our speakers, and I'm the one, um, you know, connecting with them and 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 getting them lined up and everything. So I have a great deal of interaction with them before the conference. Not so much once the conference arrives, because like Angel alluded to, we'd really love to just show up and be participants in our own conference and not feel like we have to work it. And that might actually happen this year to some level. But there's there's so many amazing speakers this year, um, close to 40 of them, and they each bring such a unique perspective and such an inspirational message that I can't. I, quite honestly, I can't. Some we've had over and over again at all all of our conferences, and some are going to be coming for the first time. But um, you know, as as MC of our conference, I would um, you know love for you to get people's reactions on the way out. I think it's going to be very hard to pick a favorite. Um, I, I just think that they. I've heard all of them speak recently. They've raised the bar on what they talk about and um, people are going to walk away from this conference just transformed by the information that they receive and by the networking that they do with the exhibitors. I just, I can't pick one. They're all my favorites. Sorry. Okay. I'll let you slide this time. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a favorite MC if that counts. Well, uh, you, you better. Especially since right, since the only one. I tell my wife she's my favorite wife too. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Let's just go through the numbers here. And sorry, I'm dinging. I apologize. I thought I turned that off. Um, how many? How many main speakers do you have? How many exhibitors do you have? How many breakout sessions do you have? And then, what's the cost of this? Not the cost globally, but the cost to a participant. Okay. Um, as of right now, at last count, there were 41 speakers, including the main speakers in the breakout session. Um, I can't tell you exactly how many breakout sessions there are right at this moment, because we were just at the venue earlier this week and we received some more rooms. We also received some more booth space. So once I have the agenda together, um, there's going to be, you know, people are going to be able to see because aside from just our, our main speakers, our breakout speakers are going to be comprised of some of our vendors. 
Um, so some of the vendors that have an important message or that have something important to share with attendees will be able to step away from their booth and go into a breakout room um, and share in greater detail for like about an hour or so, say about a certain protocol or about uh, gut recovery or uh, uh, tapping as a method for reducing anxiety. We, we've kind of gone A to Z the full gamut this year because we did have a larger venue and we have far more room and space to, to have more speakers, more exhibitors. Um, we wanted to offer things that hadn't been offered in years past. We've got a, a vendor coming to do cryotherapy. We hear a lot about people doing uh, the therapy where you heat up your body to kill off things. Well, there's one where you actually freeze and lower your body temperature to help with inflammation. So we've got somebody coming to talk about that, which is something that you don't hear a great deal about, but they use it a lot in Maine for pain management. So Anytime we hear of something new that can help people, we, we want to include them in what we do. Um, as far as the cost, it doesn't cost anybody anything. Our, our conferences are always free. And, um, you know, as far as we're concerned, moving forward, as long as we can swing it, they will remain free. We want people to come there that need to connect with these providers, that need to connect with these exhibitors. And if they have to spend their last $20 to put gas in their car to come from Northern Maine to do so. Um, we want them to come in and in it to be free. Same with the providers. They can come in and they can learn and, and follow the physician track and get CE credit for free. So all of our sponsors and all of our exhibitors and our community partners help us make that possible. And Angela, let's, uh, this is, we're going to get a nitty gritty here. It's like, talk about food. Well, do people have to pack a lunch or are you going to have some food there? We're going to have some, we will have food available on site. Uh, people per the venue are asked not to bring their phone, own food into the building. So if someone has extreme, you know, allergies, which some people do, and it's safer to just keep their food in the car and go out to the car at lunch. Um, we certainly understand that, but um, I think there'll be a lot of really good, safe options. That was one of my bigger focuses because I'm a celiac, plus I have high histamine and food allergies. So it was something that I really wanted to make sure that people could eat safely as much as possible and have a lot of different options. So that would include gluten-free, dairy-free, and vegan options. Um, and it's really going to be you know, kind of walk into the lunch area and you're going to be able to kind of pick and choose to order and be able to take that out on a tray and be able to sit down and eat. Um, so it's, everything's going to be right there. And there's also going to be some options for the morning for breakfast and stuff. So a lot of it's going to be right in the building, ready to go for people to have. Perfect. And Let's also just talk about the absolute logistics. What time? Where? Where is this? What time does it start? When does it end? It's taking place at the state capitol in Augusta at the Augusta Civic Center on Saturday, April 28th. Doors will open at 7 for registration. There is no pre-registration. Um, the people will be able to come in, and for the first hour, they'll be able to mingle and network with the exhibitors and the community partners. Um, somewhere between 8 and 8.30, the first um, 
speaker. We'll, we'll have some opening statements, and then we'll get going with the first speaker. We'll break for lunch, and then following lunch, um, we will announce all of the breakout sessions. It'll be in their conference booklet as well. Uh, but the breakout sessions will happen for the afternoon, and then we will end the conference with our keynote speaker somewhere between 5 and 5.30. Wonderful. And uh, let's also talk about, you know, does somebody need to get there early? Is there plenty of room? And like, you know, like that. It's handicap accessible. There's plenty of room. The Aegis Pacific Center is a concert venue. So basically, they're used to a very big crowd, um, and we are prepared for up to 1,400, 1,500 people. So we're ready for people to come out to the conference, and plenty of space. So they're not going to be on down. They're not going to be stuck out in the hallway trying to listen through the doorway. No, 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 no. no. And for those, not, and oh, for they those have the are- circus there. I mean, they have room. <laughs> for those that are coming from long distance um on our website under the conference tab there is information about lodging we do have special rates at all of the area hotels um so all of that information is along with the, the food menu if people are concerned about that the food menu what will be served is also listed there um our speakers So far, the main speakers will be adding the breakout speakers um, probably in another week or two. We'll put them on. Um, Angel updates all of that, all the website stuff. Angel has done a great job with that, with all of our uh, exhibitors and community partners. And probably around the beginning of April, we will post the agenda. So that gives us a whole month uh, of people to, you know, peruse the agenda and figure out who they want to listen to, who they want to come and see. What we've seen in the past is we've got some people that come first thing in the morning and they stay for the entire day. Others come and have to leave part of the day and others come at noon and stay for the rest of the day. So this venue is not lacking in space whatsoever. We can accommodate whoever shows up. So whenever somebody wants to come based on their interest or physical ability, or in the case of Neuroline, mental ability, <laughs> they can adjust the yep. timing there, and they're w- welcome to come at any time. I still deal with uh, Neuroline-type symptoms, and what we've told people in the past at our past conferences is just do what you feel like you can handle. Bring a friend, take your time, and if mm-hmm. you feel like you can't handle the whole day and it's just going to make you sick, please don't push to the point that you're so sick and you're in bed for three days after, you know, uh, just do what you can and there'll be plenty to glean from, even if you can just do half the day. We were excited when we went to the venue earlier this week, we were walking around looking at all the additional rooms that were given to us. And we came to this one small room that we really can't change the setup of. And the uh, director looked at us and said, I don't know if you want this room or not. I'm not really sure what you can do with it. And Angel and I looked at each other and literally said, quiet room. Oh, perfect. We, we need to have a place with, with a venue this large and so much activity going on, aside from people stepping outside. We have to have a place where people can feel like they can just get away from it all. If people are still in the throes of treatment and they have to you know, do some treatment, they can go into that quiet room and just sit and regroup and let their mind clear out. And 
you know, it, it was something we've not been able to offer in the past. People were kind of forced to have to go outside. We were totally excited about this room and we said, we'll take it. <laughs> and I think the director thought we were a little nuts because she's like, I don't really know what you can do with this room. And we're like, we need a quiet room. This is perfect. Absolutely perfect. That's so amazing. Now we're coming to the end of our time, but I want to take a couple steps back and ask each of you, and where do you see the arc of Lyme disease awareness slash treatment going? Are you optimistic? Or are you frustrated? And where where do you see us being in the next couple years? Let alone, you know, who who knows what the big future is, but. You know, what do you see really on the horizon that gives you hope or gives you concern? Well, um, I'm very hopeful. Um, I think I was just saying to Angel like a couple weeks ago, um, things have changed. I know people don't feel like things have changed, and sometimes the change hasn't specifically touched their personal situation. But I look back on when I first got sick, to today. Um, I look at how much has changed. I look at the movement, how large the movement has grown. I look at how far it has stretched. I look at where this movement, this movement has infiltrated itself um, into uh, levels, you know, at a federal level where they are now sitting at the table with the powers that be and getting to know each other so that people that are in positions to make decisions Perhaps they're not touched by this disease, but they're sitting around a table with people who are, and they're forced to have to listen and have conversations. And I think that start of change is having people in a position to make these decisions, have conversations. And we're seeing that everywhere, more so now than five years ago or even 10 years ago. And so I see it moving. It may not be fast enough for some people. But the wheels of change have been moving and, you know, they're, they've not stopped. They're, they're continually moving. We're seeing it with labs and new testing and just everything is moving forward. And as long as it doesn't stop, I remain optimistic, just like with the AIDS movement, that we're going to have a breakthrough. We're going to have to have a breakthrough at some point. And I think it's up to advocates and patients everywhere to just not give up. You know, if you have to take a break, take a break, but then pick up that cross, keep moving because it's these voices and the works of the advocates, the patients that are so important. And we, we just, we can't stress enough for people just don't give up, you know, look back. If you think change hasn't happened, look back and see how far you've come and you will see that change has happened. It happened when you didn't even realize it. Angel, your thoughts. Um, to me, it's a big question, but and there's many layers to it, so it's kind of hard to for me to kind of put anything into words. But I think that right now, what I do see it, and what I have seen, what we do, especially our prevention talks, and we're really interacting with the community, um, with our fellow Mainers, is that people are really opening up and really saying. You know, this has happened. This is something that I've experienced or I've watched my husband and my wife go through. And there's got to be help. There's got to be something out there to help us get better or to support us as we are in treatment. And to be able to connect people to that when 
Paul and I were in treatment, there were no support groups in the Mid Coast area at all. There was nothing. And now there's five support groups. Um, when Paul and I were in treatment, I didn't really know um, many Lyme literate providers in the state of Maine. I knew maybe two or three. Um, now we know close to 200. So I think as time goes on and as science is discovering, unfortunately, more information about ticks, meaning we're not a fan of what we're learning because ticks are a lot more, a lot more sophisticated than we knew. Um, but to our betterment, hopefully that means that we can get them better under control. In the end, all of it comes down to the patient uh, for prevention, for finding treatment, and to be able to get through to hopefully remission. So to me, it's got to start there and go forward. Hopefully in time with a federal tick-borne disease uh, work group and different things like that, that we're all trying to get to the same answer, and hopefully we can keep making that happen step by step. And like Paula said, as long as we're going forward, I mean, that's all that matters, is to just keep making in the end, their baby steps. Just keep it making those steps going forward. I want to thank you both for all the work that you're doing and the hope you're bringing to your community and beyond. Uh, this podcast, we have listeners literally from all over the world. It's really quite amazing each week where we see people tune in from. So the model that you're doing, the energy that you're putting into this, creating layers of support and education in your community, I think is really duplicatable. And I'm really, really excited to come out there, spend some time with both of you, get to know you a little bit better and learn from all the amazing people that you've brought in for this conference. I'm really excited about it. So are we, and we're excited that you're going to be a part of this. This was a great interview. I'm continually impressed by both Paula and by Angel's commitment to giving back to their community. You hear that so much from people who have been through Lyme, well, let's just say it, Lyme hell, and have emerged on the other side. Many, many, many of them want to give back so people don't have to suffer like they did. It really is a very, very generous community and really is what allowed us to make this podcast. When we first started out, just picked up the phone and sent out emails, would you be on this new podcast? And so many people just said, sure. The generosity is absolutely amazing. If you can, come on out. I'd love to meet you there. I'm going to be the MC. It's going to be a ton of fun, ton of great workshops and guests and speakers. And you'll meet people from all over the country. It's really going to be a wonderful, wonderful Mm -hmm. event. Yeah, there's going to be so much to see and do at this conference. It's going to be amazing. They have a couple hundred vendors, at least a hundred vendors. 30 breakout sessions. They really haven't announced what those are exactly yet. They haven't finalized it. And then the main speakers are just an amazing lineup. So just just get there. Do whatever you have to do. Come on out. Join us. 
If you love what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. And if you really love what we're doing, head on over to patreon.com and donate to Lime Ninja Radio. If you donate at the $10 level, we'll send you a copy of our top 10 transcripts. Yes, the Lime Ninja Top 10 Transcripts are the concentrated wisdom of three years of podcast episodes, including experts like Dr. Richard Horowitz, the real food rebel Brenda Constantino, and the genetic nutrition expert Bob Miller. If you have any feedback for us, ideas for show guests, ways to improve our show, please send the good, the bad, and the ugly to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. We read every email coming in, and we respond to as many as we can. We really, really do want to hear from you. Also, if you don't know your Lime score yet, do yourself a favor and head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash tracker and fill out the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. It's free. And if you haven't figured it out by now, there's a Mid-Coast Lime <laughs> <laughs> conference on April 28th. Come on out. I'm going to be the MC. It's going to be a ton of fun. Join us there. I'd love to meet you. We're going to have a table set up and a few giveaways, something. Maybe if we can arrange to have copies of the book, we'll try to do that. That'd but be nice. We, we haven't figured that part out yet. Anyway, we'll do something. It's going to be fun. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know... This podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know a ninja can pack 13 eggs in a carton? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.